Guys, Farzine Vasukin here with you for another episode of the Chiefs Dome Podcast. It is a bye week edition essentially for the Chiefs because they are not participating in no Pro Bowl games. They are getting ready for Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. Uh, did I write that correctly? Yeah, okay. Just wanted to make sure because... Um, just wanted to make sure. I don't have my glasses on, and I'm looking at the live stream, and I'm, I wrote Super Bowl LVIII, but there are so many eyes in there. Uh, kind of looks like I put uh, extra eyes in there, so I wasn't sure if I put a fourth one on, on accident. No, uh, that is what you see in the uh, title of the uh, podcast, uh, as well as the live stream for uh, Facebook and YouTube. And shout out to everyone watching on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. You guys want to go to the Super Bowl, spend thousands of dollars and potentially save 20 bucks, or maybe you want to go to another sporting event, a concert, whatever it may be, you can go to SeatGeek.com, get your tickets from there. And if you're a new SeatGeek customer, you can use my promo code Farzine and save $20 off your first purchase from SeatGeek. All you have to do is pick your tickets, go to your checkout, and if you're a new customer, use my promo code Farzine for $20 off your first purchase. All right. Let's get right into the show. A lot of things I want to get into here today. Obviously, we'll talk about the Chiefs going to their fourth Super Bowl in five years. Six AFC Championship appearances, winning four of them, all with number 15, Patrick Mahomes. What does that mean with this franchise? Also, we got to have a conversation because there are a lot of people reacting to all the GOAT talk that's happening with Mahomes right now. Kansas City's offense, how do we feel about it? Coming off a win... Despite not scoring in the second half, Charles Ominehu tore his ACL. He is obviously done for the remainder of the year, which is only the Super Bowl. Uh, what does that mean for this defense? And what does that mean for Ominehu moving forward? Kadarius Tony, uh, we haven't had a chance to address his drama on the podcast yet, uh, or at least not in detail. So I'll get into that on this podcast. And I also want to ha- have a, a little discussion about Lamar Jackson. Um, this is like not a Chiefs related topic. This is more of an NFL related topic. I want to get into that because that is a, a pretty big deal uh, with him right now. So we'll get into that and much more here on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. All right, appreciate you guys joining me here. Come on in. Let me know how you guys are feeling. Respond to anything I'm talking about. Uh, let me know your thoughts in the comments below. All right, let's start here with the Chiefs going to their fourth Super Bowl in five years. Uh, obviously prior to Patrick Mahomes, um, this was something a lot of Chiefs fans wondered if it would ever happen, if it would ever be a reality. Would this Chiefs team ever see a Super Bowl? And I think even when Patrick Mahomes was here, you know, the, the, the first year uh, as a starter, losing that AFC championship game in such heartbreaking fashion, and even at, at some points during his second year where the Chiefs eventually won a Super Bowl, was looking a little bleak at times. And people wondered if the Super Bowl was really ever going to happen in Kansas City. And sure enough, it did. Uh, the Chiefs eventually uh, got that um, got that to happen. And prior to that, I think a lot of us, me included, wondered if in our lifetimes we would ever see a Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl. And here they are going to their fourth Super Bowl in five years. Let me just put it to you like this. Six AFC Championship appearances. The Chiefs have made it 
to the NFL's Final Four every year with Patrick Mahomes. How crazy is that? I mean, the only thing that's remotely close to that, the only two things I can think of are the Patriots winning three in four years and Buffalo making it to four straight Super Bowls. But unfortunately, nothing to show for it, despite getting there every single year for four consecutive seasons. Now, Kansas City getting to their fourth Super Bowl in five years, it's not like they keep getting there and, and keep falling short. No, this is a team that has one, two of the three. Obviously, we'll see what happens on the fourth one. A lot of people think the Chiefs will win, uh, despite being the betting underdogs for an interesting reason. Um, I think they'll definitely come away with a win, not just because I'm a Chiefs fan, but I think there are valid reasons for that. The biggest reason, I think, is Brock Purdy going to be facing a very stout Chiefs defense that he has never seen before. I think that'll be huge. Uh, and we'll get into that much more in our breakdown next week. But the Chiefs have made it to four Super Bowls in five years and have reached the NFL's Final Four. They've made it to Championship Sunday all six seasons with Patrick Mahomes as their starting quarterback. Listen, if you're just now calling this team a dynasty, and, and I know there are a lot of people who've been waiting on calling this a dynasty, and I don't know why, because I feel like prior to this year, five AFC title uh, game appearances consecutively, three Super Bowl appearances in four years, winning two of them was already enough to get the dynasty conversation started. So if you are just now accepting the dynasty conversation with the Kansas City Chiefs, you are late. You are very late to this. It's almost like um, if you guys uh, in high school or college, someone comes in like five, 10 minutes late and uh, the professor already has a shit ton of things already written on the board and you've already missed a good chunk of information that the professor provided. You are That's who you are. If you're just now accepting the dynasty conversation with the Kansas City Chiefs, you know who else is late? The people who are just now accepting the goat talk. Uh, There are some people who are pushing back on this whole goat thing, which I find very interesting. But um, and I posted this on uh, social media about an hour ago. Uh, There are on on the Rich Eisen show. He put uh, Brady's. Brady and Mahomes, I think they're their first four or five years together. And Mahomes is way ahead in so many categories. Um, Obviously, we need a Super Bowl win this week to match that total. Uh, But Mahomes already has more MVPs than Tom Brady at this stage of his career in their first five years. Um, Brady was good, but wasn't putting up the the numbers that Mahomes had been putting up. And listen, when it comes to Brady... Uh, Don't get me wrong. He is, I think, the best of all time right now. And I do think Mahomes is on pace to chase all of that. Um, But he did play a shit ton of years um, in in an era where the league went from turned into a pass heavy era, essentially. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but he got off to a slow start at times. And you look at Mahomes, and even though Mahomes is in a pass-heavy era, he's still putting up numbers that no one else can even come close to matching. So this whole GOAT talk that a lot of people get worked up with over um, over the Chiefs, I mean, at this point, you're in denial. If you cannot accept the fact that 
that this team is getting all the dynasty conversations. And if Mahomes getting all this goat coverage here at this point, you're just in denial or you're late to the party. These are all people who are just mad that the Kansas City Chiefs have figured it out faster than a lot of other teams out there. Let's not forget from 2007 to 2012, the Chiefs were the worst football team in the NFL. They had only one season above 500 during that stretch. And that was in 2010 when they won the AFC West, but played like complete shit in the playoffs that year against the Ravens. And when you look at their overall body of work that year, pretty bad, pretty bad. Everyone remembers the 2012 season. Uh, 2011, they were getting blown out by a bunch of bad teams. 2012, they were getting their asses kicked by just about everybody. And then in 2013, they had a fast turnaround. And from there, they never looked back. The Chiefs have never finished below 500 since Andy Reid's gotten here. Let's look at a team like the Raiders, who have also been very bad for a long time. Now, I mentioned that stretch uh, from 07 to 2012. Um, the Raiders were also bad in that same stretch. I mean, the Ra Raiders were bad even before then and after that. But my point is the Raiders who've been very bad and have had draft selections uh, ahead of the Chiefs still have not been able to figure it out. But the Chiefs, yeah, they had that five, six year stretch where they weren't very good. Uh, they definitely plummeted in the Herm Edwards era. Todd Haley, I mean, there was some hope at times, but just wasn't good. Romeo Cornell, uh, as good of a defensive coordinator he was, just a terrible head coach. Um, the Chiefs could not get anything going during that era. And since then, they have figured it out faster than a lot of other teams have been able to pick it up. So you look at that, and you look at where Kansas City is from 2013 to now. Um, they... Went from improving to being competitive and now being one of the best teams in the NFL. I remember there was a, a stretch uh, from 2016 through 2019 or 2020. I can't remember exactly when that came to an end, but the Chiefs had this uh, long streak of not lose. If they had any losses, it was not by more than one possession uh, for a long period of time. So they had that for going for them because at the time the Chiefs did not have any Super Bowl trophies to go off of. Um, this franchise, you know, their, uh, their, uh, claim to fame was, you know, individual records. Some of the stuff Tony Gonzalez did, some of the stuff Derek Thomas did, uh, the, uh, record for loudest stadium in the NFL. And those are all great. I think the only one that really chiefs fans still care about today outside of championship wins, uh, has to be the loudest stadium in the NFL. That one is something, uh, chiefs fans wear loud and proud to this day. But when you look at everything else the Chiefs have accomplished, this is a team that is winning more than everyone else. Name one team that's won more than the Chiefs since 2018. Even before that, even 2015, before Patrick Mahomes came here. Now, the difference is between 2015 and 2017, uh, the Chiefs just were not a championship uh, contending type of team but they were still winning a lot of games during that stretch. Now with Patrick Mahomes from 2018 on, this is a team that's won more than everyone else. Patrick Mahomes has numbers better than everyone else. No one's even close to matching Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He's had a couple of losses here and there in the postseason. Uh, has had some bad moments in the regular season, including this year, which is the worst year statistically Mahomes and the chiefs have had. And where are they? Oh yeah. They're still in the super bowl. And People who want to bitch and moan about this, 
you bring up the refs or oh, it's not fair. Or, they got lucky. Taylor Swift, the script. You're just in denial at this point. Cry to a wall about it because the Kansas City Chiefs are here and they're not going away anytime soon. And I know people love to mention, oh, wait till Andy Reid goes. Patrick Mahomes was playing at a high level in college. Now, he wasn't getting the type of attention Deshaun Watson was getting coming out of college. But at this point, you know, and I think Deshaun Watson, you know, did well in Houston and Cleveland hasn't been as hot. Um, I mean, look at Cleveland. They were able to continue winning with P.J. Walker and Joe Flacco as their quarterbacks. At this point, you're just looking at this Chiefs team and they're winning a lot of games. Even this year, which was the worst year the Chiefs have had in the Patrick Mahomes era. What did they do? They didn't quit. They didn't bend over. They didn't just stop and say, well, this just isn't our year. No, they still made it to a Super Bowl when a lot of people wrote them off at the start. Remember that? Remember all the people who said the Chiefs would be one and done? That, oh yeah, congrats on your AFC West. You're going to be eliminated in the wild card round. Not even close to happening. Well, Buffalo for sure is going to embarrass the Chiefs. That didn't happen either. Oh, well, now you got the scary Baltimore Ravens, a team that blew out the the Dolphins and the 49ers. Uh, Good Lord. I mean, Baltimore wasn't even close to winning this football game. Yeah, there was a one-score game, 17-7, but the Chiefs' offense, as bad as it looked in the second half, they didn't need to do anything in the second half. That's the beauty of this football team. They're not just a one-dimensional football team like the Baltimore Ravens are. The Baltimore Ravens might be the best one-dimensional offense in the NFL. I'll give that to them right now. I don't know if they're hanging a Super Bowl banner for that at MNT Bank Stadium, but I don't know. Uh, you guys let me know about that. But as far as I know, the Chiefs went in there and took care of business, scored enough points to win, and essentially Baltimore imploded uh, on, on their side of, th- of things. So this football team who everyone, by the way, what was the narrative that a lot of people were bringing up? Patrick Mahomes has never played a road playoff. Oh my God, you guys, Patrick Mahomes has never played a road playoff game before. What is he going to do? Oh no, the chiefs are doomed. Where are those people now? Where are those people now who are making such a huge deal about Patrick Mahomes never playing a road playoff game? Remember that narrative? Well, Patrick Mahomes is now 2-0 in road playoff games. Okay, I suppose you could throw in the Tampa Bay Super Bowl one, uh, but statistically speaking, that's not recognized as a road playoff. And besides, I mean, that was back when, um, during the pandemic, when they had a limited capacity. So they didn't really feel like an actual road game anyway, but... Uh, Neither here nor there. The point I'm trying to make is uh, whatever obstacle you want to throw at the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, they've overcome it. Look at last year. Last year, I thought, was tougher than this year. Last year, Mahomes suffered a scary ankle injury against Jacksonville in the divisional round. And if you watch the, uh, the Netflix series Quarterback, Uh, Mahomes in his confessional is saying, you know, his immediate thought was, why is this happening now? Why is this not happening early in the regular season or in the preseason or or in the OTAs? Like, why does it have to happen in the playoffs? But what does a guy like Patrick Mahomes do 
The guy just goes out there and plays. And listen, I, I didn't agree with the fact that he was not listening to team team doctors and was forcing his way back onto the field after that timeout because he didn't even wait for them to to tape his ankle. He's like, no, I'm going back out there. Screw you guys. You guys are taking way too damn long. And he's hopping while handing the ball off to Isaiah Pacheco. That's how crazy he is. But that's why we love him. The guy does not quit. Look at all of the, I, I mean, the, the stats are out there. This is not bullshit or anything. He went out there and has won more games coming from behind. No player has been able to do what he's been able to do. So whatever obstacle you want to throw out there, the injury, no road playoff games. Oh my God, guys, Patrick's never played a road playoff game before. Oh boy, this team's doomed. Whatever obstacle you want to throw at this football team, they've overcome it. Has it been perfect? No. And here's what I've learned this year. And I was listening to Colin Cowherd bring this up because what Colin Cowherd compared crazy enough. He compared this Chiefs team to some of the teams that Tom Brady's been a part of, the 2014 Patriots, where everybody, including people in Boston, wanted Brady and Belichick gone that year. Well, what happened that season? The Patriots going to win the Super Bowl. And I find it funny because Boston sports fans were doing the whole, oh, this is us versus everyone. No, it's not. Shut up. You guys were writing off your own head coach and quarterback that same season. Remember when the Chiefs destroyed them on Monday Night Football? What was it? 41-14? And I mentioned the the noise record for Loudest Stadium. That's when the Chiefs broke it a second time. And what happened? Uh, They went on to win the Super Bowl that year. When everybody wrote off those two guys, including their own in that New England area. 2017, very similar story. The Chiefs destroy the Patriots in week one. The Patriots start the season two and two. Um, and people in New England still writing him off. His first year in Tampa Bay, where they beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Well, what happened? It wasn't very pretty. The Bucks started the season 0-2. And, and they had the number five seed, if I'm not mistaken. Going into the playoffs, they were a wild card team. And guess what? They still won the Super Bowl. And again, I know a lot of people have their opinions about Colin Cowherd, but at the end of the day, this is a this was a very interesting comparison here made. The Chiefs, at the, at the time Cowherd was making that comparison, I thought, I don't know. This is kind of a weird comparison here, but he's right. And what's the point I'm trying to make here is... The thing with dynasties, and I know Brady to the Bucks, that doesn't count as a dynasty, but Brady's overall career, a majority of it with the Patriots dynasty. The point here is dynasties are not going to be perfect. I think when people hear the word dynasty, they expect perfection. Uh, you can never commit a turnover. You can never lose a game that um, you're uh, heavily favored to win. Uh, look at the Chiefs in the two years they won the Super Bowl in 2019 and uh, last year, 2022, who did the Chiefs lose to in those two years? They lost to the Colts in both of those games. And the Chiefs offense looked horrible, both in the 2019 meeting against the Colts and in last year's meeting against the Colts. Now, I know a lot of people love those kinds of historical patterns. I call them coincidental stats. I mean, they don't really mean anything in the long run. But the point I'm trying to make here is um, the Chiefs in this early stage of their dynasty they have fallen at times when no one expected it, when they shouldn't have. Um, 
And I know people don't like the word sh uh, shouldn't, especially those in the NFL, because uh, I've heard so many pros say this. Well, those are the NFL. You don't ever say you should or shouldn't lose to a team because everyone's a pro. And, okay, I get that. But you shouldn't have lost to those teams. Well, guess what? The Chiefs still won the Super Bowl both of those years. Uh, I still remember in 2020 when the Chiefs lost to the Raiders uh, that year. Uh, Raiders pulled off a big upset in that game. Well, the Chiefs, who went to the Super Bowl that year? It was still the Chiefs. Um, I know Raiders fans make such a huge deal out of beating the Chiefs on Christmas with Aiden O'Connell not completing a pass in the second, third, and fourth quarters. Well, who is in the Super Bowl right now? The sure as hell is not Aiden O'Connell and the Raiders. It's the Chiefs in the Raiders' house. By the way, they're going to be covering up the end zone that says Raiders, and they're going to be putting Chiefs on that. Uh, oh, and what are they going to be putting on the opposing uh, end zone? 49ers. Oof. Boy, uh, Raiders fans do not. Listen, I'm already seeing Raiders fans online. Like, their skin is boiling because of this. Uh, could it be me, guys? Could it be me? Anyway, the point I'm trying to make here, and I think I've already gotten it across, but I'll say it again. This Chiefs team has not been perfect, whether it's this year or even in the first five years of the Patrick Mahomes era. Things have not always been perfect with this football team. And guess what? Moving forward, it won't always be perfect. And look, I'll just say this right now. Maybe it happens uh, next Sunday. Maybe it happens in another year. Patrick Mahomes is going to lose another Super Bowl. Uh, Tom Brady lost three of them. Two of them to Eli Manning and the other to Nick Foles. So Mahomes, uh, if he makes it to the Super Bowl, as many times as Brady, and there's a very good chance of that happening. The only thing that's really stopping him is an injury, and even then he still uh, went last year with an injured ankle and dominated. Came back down by 10 in the uh, Super Bowl last year after re-aggravating that injury. Um, still, you know, this football team, uh, they're doing things that nobody else is doing right now. And you can compare them to very few teams in years past. Yeah, sure. If you're not a Chiefs fan, you probably hate this with all of your guts. Deny it all you want. That's just, at the end of the day, that's just the way things work. You don't like it? Yeah, it's rigged. The refs did it. It's always rigged or scripted or the refs, whatever your team does not win. I always love that narrative. That's always, um, that's always a narrative. Gabriel's asking, why are Super Bowl tickets so expensive, not an average person can afford. That really sucks. So this year specifically, uh, this is actually a really good question. Um, cause I think the cheapest ticket is like seven, eight, nine grand. I have not really looked at up uh, ahead of the podcast, but they're pretty damn expensive. Uh, look, it's the super bowl. It's the biggest event ever. Um, I mean, it's the most televised event every single year. So at the end of the day, um, and, oh, by the way, where is the Super Bowl going to be this year? In case I did not tell you guys uh, a minute ago, it's going to be in Vegas. Uh, anyone who's been to Vegas and I've been there, I, I go to Vegas frequently. Anyone who's been to Vegas knows it is really damn expensive. OK, you want um, you, you want a, a soda from the sea store cost you five bucks or, or ten bucks. Rather, you want a water bottle that'll cost you five bucks. Um, it's uh, it is insane. Teresa says average Super Bowl ticket cost is eleven thousand dollars. I'll take your word for it. I have not looked that up. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the um, what is it called? The win club level or field suite, whatever it's called. 
there it's essentially um behind one of the end zones behind the same end zone where they have that big torch uh which is by the way very cool at Allegiant Stadium uh had a chance to see that this past year when I went uh, to the Chiefs Raiders game there um Pretty, pretty cool design. Pretty cool. I went to Legion Stadium before for a concert and you couldn't really see the place because it was dark because that's generally how um, the venue is for concerts. But uh, got a chance to actually see more of the stadium uh, the second time I went because um, there was more lighting in there. Imagine that. So um, really nice stadium. Great setup. I, I And I think, you know, it's great for the city of Vegas. You guys know I'm very partial towards that city for obvious reasons, but um, it's just it's a shame that uh, the Raiders are there, but hey, I like it because the Chiefs get to go win there every year. Uh, this time they get to go twice and win. I love it. Uh, I love it. But um, the, the whole thing with uh, Vegas, everything is just so damn expensive. And that, oh, by the way, I was trying to make a point about the win club level. I have not found this for a fact. I've tried to research this, but there is, uh, I guess, a, a Vegas social media influencer who claims that if you want a ticket at the um, at the win club level, I guess for like one seat uh, w- w- with a group that is, it costs you seven hundred thousand uh, dollars. Jesus Christ! Who the hell? I mean, listen. I understand that this is not this is not like for one individual ticket. I assume that's for like. So for those who don't get it, it's almost like um, I don't know if you guys have ever um, sat uh, at a, a table at a restaurant that's for like a, a bigger group, maybe. And I'm not talking like tables. I'm talking like one of those bigger booths that's for like seven, eight, maybe nine, ten people. That's what the um, that's what that uh, field level is. That club level. And it's going to cost $700,000 for a group of six, seven, eight people. I don't know how many exactly. Um, I mean, if you split that up, everyone's paying at least a hundred grand. I, uh, unless you can fit more people in those seats. I don't know. Who the hell is paying six figures for a Super Bowl ticket? You could probably throw... A super duper awesome Super Bowl bash from home for a tenth of that, even way less. I mean, if you want to go over the top, sure, spend 10 grand, but I don't know, man. I mean, listen, here's what I will say. I, um, uh, th- this happens every time during the postseason, my man cave reels, uh, go viral. And I appreciate all of you guys who have uh, helped make that happen. Uh, I get uh, a lot of comments from people saying, why would you spend that much money on, sports or a man cave uh last i checked it's my money i can afford it how did what did pat mcafee say what am i supposed to do if i see something i can afford just say no to it um it's not like i I spent millions and millions on that thing uh this is like you know pretty i I don't want to say it's inexpensive but it's also not you know me breaking the bank uh and uh you know maxing out credit cards to make all of that happen Um, I always find it interesting when people always want to talk about what others want to do with their money. I remember I ordered a, um, a Jake Paul, Nate Diaz pay-per-view because Nate Diaz is one of my favorite favorite fighters. And people said, Oh, why would you ever buy that pay-per-view? Why do you care? It's my money. It's not yours. You're not paying for it. Uh, if you don't like, if if you think it's that bad, go spend that 60 bucks on charity, but you won't, you're just going to bitch and moan about it. Uh, but anyway, where was I going with this? Okay. The, the exception is this though, paying six figures for a Super Bowl ticket. I mean, there are people who dream of having a six-figure salary. And, you know, like I said, to each their own. Um, you know, if you um, 
If you want to spend that kind of money on the Super Bowl, fine. I know people um, on social media in recent years, because the Chiefs have gone to the Super Bowl so many times, uh, there are people who have spent two, three, four, five grand just for one ticket. And maybe, listen, maybe that means a lot to you. Maybe you'd rather do that than go on a uh, couple of vacations for the year. Fine, that's that's your wish, man. Uh, you do you. I've always said, you know, don't ever care what other people do with their money as long as they're not hurting anyone in the process. So, uh, but I just cannot fathom spending six figures for a Super Bowl. Um, and, and let me just say this too. Like, I'm sure being at the Super Bowl is cool. But isn't the whole like spectacle of the Super Bowl better from home because of the whole commercials thing? Because I think if you're at the Super Bowl, the only like super special moment might be like the game winning drive epic moment in the Super Bowl and then seeing the confetti fall, especially if it's your team. But if you're watching from home, you get to enjoy all the commercials, which is a huge part of the Super Bowl. The halftime show, it just seems like it is far more better suited for the home viewing audience. Um, I'm a huge UFC fan. And if you guys have ever been to a UFC event and, and watch the UFC religiously, like I do, you will know that the U MMA events in general, they do not cater to the audience in attendance. They cater far more to the home viewing audience. I went to a uh, PFL event back before it was called world. Uh, at the time it was called world series of fighting. And man, we literally sat there for like 35 minutes because the prelims finished very early and we were just waiting for the main card, but they couldn't start right away. They had to wait for a specific time because of TV obligations. And obviously during those 35 or so minutes, it felt like forever. Um, at the event, they're just putting random music videos up there, which I thought was interesting. But from home, they're playing a lot of different video packages for MMA fans to watch. Um, and at the end of the day, it's like the Super Bowl to me, especially that halftime show, that's just better. They cater more to the home viewing audience, the way that it looks and the way it's set up and everything, because a lot of these stadiums are indoors, like Allegiant Stadium. And some of these halftime shows at the end, they have like a special fire, like pyro spectacle at the end. That goes off outside of the stadium. But if you're inside of the stadium, you can't see that. So I don't know. Like, again, like I said, to each their own. Uh, Teresa said, loved watching you jump around your man cave on Sunday. Thank you. By the way, I've had a lot of people accuse me of rewinding the TV and faking that. You can clearly see the second TV that's also synced up. And by the way, I uploaded that video immediately after it happened. So I love the people who think I went back and did that because I did the podcast right away after that. So always interesting. By the way, I, I in that video, I said uh, we're going to the Super Bowl and there are some idiots on there. Uh, and by the way, I know sports fans do this all the time. Why do you say we? You're not on the team. You know what's funny? Is I'll use the word we and I will continue to use it on social media. And it's easier to search someone's social media on X than it is on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. But um, on X, or formerly known as Twitter, whenever someone sends me a post saying, why do you use we? You're not on the team. I will quickly, and it's very effortless and very quick to do. You can go on someone's account and search the word we and see how often they use it. And those are the same people who want to shame other people for using the word we also use the word we. I find that so funny. 
Like, wh why are you shaming someone for saying we in sports, but you use the same exact word when talking about sports? I find it so funny. Everyone does it, but, I, but some people want to shame other people for, for using that. I find it hilarious. Um, Gabriel says everyone uses the word we 1,000%. Everybody does. And if you say you don't, you are a liar. Don't bring that bullshit here. Miss me with that bullshit the same way Tyler Bass missed that field goal. You use we. Every sports fan does it. You cannot tell me a single sports fan that's never said we did it or we suck this year or we whatever. Everyone's done it. See, a lot of people are agree. Chris says if you buy merchandise, then you are contributing to the team and therefore can use we. Uh, <laughs> Therese says it's natural to say we about the Chiefs. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone, a lot of people in the comments um, say that they use we. Um, so I, I love when sports fans shame other sports fans for using that. It's funny. But uh, anyway, we got a little uh, sidetrack there, but that's what happens on a podcast. Uh, let's talk about Kansas City's offense for a moment because this offense uh, still has room to improve. We just saw the second half. They did not score a single point on Baltimore. And what did I say on the halftime live stream? I said, look, the second half opening possession, which the Chiefs got, that will tell me a lot about this team. And unfortunately, not only did they not score on the opening possession of the second half, they did not score the rest of the second half, but they didn't, didn't need to. Thank you, Legereus Sneed. Thank you, Dion Bush. Thank you, Chiefs defense. Thank you very much because they did win the game for you after all. Um, now, this Chiefs offense, even though they do have room to improve, I will say it right now because we have been asking this for a long time. When are the Chiefs going to flip the switch? They did it December the 31st, exactly a month ago, against the Cincinnati Bengals. That is when this team flipped the switch. That is when they flipped the switch. Uh, and I know in that game, a lot of people, oh, well, you can't win with six field goals. Well, they did that night. And they've been better about it since then. And I'm not counting the Chargers game. That, that was a game with, that was a preseason game. No disrespect to uh, Blank Albert and everyone else who played in that game. That was a preseason game. But it, at the end of the day, uh, this is a, um, this is a Chiefs team offensively that has played way better. Are they still making mistakes? Yes. Rashi Rice has had two touchdowns nullified because of uh, uh, mistakes from the offensive line. Um, McCole Hardman, yeah, that fumble. And, and look, McCole should not have fumbled that. And I know Travis Kelsey takes blame for the block, but I take issue with the play calling. Like, why are you running the ball inside the five when you have Pacheco and Edwards Elaire just going off on the Bills defense? Like, I mean, things like that. Um, but outside of that, what complaints do you have about, about this Chiefs offense? In the postseason. And I know they did not play well in the second half, but mind you, that is the best defense in when it comes to points allowed per game. I think they average like what 16.3 points per game allowed. I, I don't have uh, my um or actually maybe I still do have it somewhere. Uh okay, I don't have the exact number, but they were number one in that category. And the Chiefs scored more than 16.2 points, only by a little bit, but still more than their uh regular uh, average allowed. So at the end of the day, this is a football team that offensively everybody was criticizing and 
In the second half, they could not get anything going. But what do they do in the second half to pull through? They threw the football on third down, which essentially felt like a fourth down play. Because if you don't get this conversion, it's a two-minute warning. If it's incomplete, the, the Ravens get the two-minute warning as a timeout. And uh, they have a chance to tie the game. Well, guess what? They threw the ball to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. The same Marquez Valdez-Scantling that you and I all wanted benched and gone. Who came through? MVS came through. Huge play right there. No, this Chiefs offense has been uh, far from perfect, but they have played much better. By the way, you know who else? Uh, because uh, to Todasha, I hope I said your name right. You mentioned Joe Tooney being out. Nick Allegretti stepped up. This guy played in place of an all-pro player. And listen, Nick Allegretti was one of the five offensive linemen who started in Super Bowl 55, who, as you all know, in that Super Bowl, uh, a lot of people criticized that entire offensive line for not helping Patrick Mahomes out. And... Nick Allegretti, for him to uh, still stick around on this football team and come out strong in that playoff game on the road in Baltimore, huge. Absolutely huge. So, uh, even with injuries, man, like I mentioned, the Charles Domin oh, we'll get into the Charles Domingo injury shortly, but uh, Willie Gay, who was uh, unavailable last week, got hurt uh, the week before. This Chiefs defense and offense, this team is still finding ways it's always been next man up with this football team that's what they do that is what they do lol you reminded us you're a big ufc fan when you have a ufc you know what's funny is sometimes i'll wear something but i forgot exactly what i'm wearing so i just said yeah well played touche i was just thinking of the whole like you know uh red and gold type of thing uh i mean i know there's some black on the ufc hat but um some some gold on there as well uh, let's get into the Charles Omenhu injury because this is a huge blow to Kansas City's defense. Omenhu obviously was the guy who came through with that strip sack on Lamar Jackson that was recovered by George Karloftis. You look at Charles Omenhu, and he only played in uh, 11 games. He was suspended the first six games due to a uh, some sort of off-the-field altercation uh, regarding domestic violence. And even then, I think the facts on that are still very unclear about as to, in terms of what happened. But in the 11 games Charles who played, he collected seven sacks. If he played a full season, and if that average were to continue in a full in the span of a full season, he would have hit double-digit sacks. 100%. Uh, so this is uh, a, a crucial blow to Kansas City's defense because Carl uh, Loftus making his big leap from a rookie year to his second year and Omenehu, a veteran on the other side. And by the way, I thought Mike Dana did a really good job filling in for him until he came back. Um, but Mike Dana, I think, has an opportunity to now get some of that back. Corey says he claims he's going to play. Yes, so we did talk about this. Um, early on, he did. He was very adamant that he would play, but that was before he found out it was a torn ACL, which which sucks. It's unfortunate. He even um, was wearing the Super Bowl jersey today for the team photo shoot, 
And it's like, man, it just sucks. Uh, he'll still get a Super Bowl ring, but everyone wants that opportunity to play in the Super Bowl. Everyone wants that opportunity. So uh, Mike Dana, you know, he played very well, I thought, filling in for a minute, and now he has a chance to kind of back at, get back into the swing of things. I'd be very curious to see if the Chiefs kind of use um, Leo Chanel as a guy who comes out of that linebacker spot and blitzes because he did a very good job of that this year when he got more opportunities uh, than he had in past seasons. Uh, you know who else I would be very curious to see? He's been inactive for a couple of games, uh, more of a healthy scratch, but what about Felix and DK Uzama? I know it's not ideal to just throw your first-round rookie, uh, give him his most significant snaps in the biggest game of the year, but... Um, you know, I, I'm not asking the Chiefs to start him, but I would imagine he would play some more snaps in this game because Omenhu is out. So, um, to me, I still agree this is a brutal blow, but I still think ultimately with this Chiefs defense, um, you you still are a very good defense with or without Omenhu. I think with Omenhu, you're better. Um, I still think without him for one game, and I know it's the biggest game of the year, but I still think for one game, uh, it's one of those situations where uh, you can still manage to get to Brock Purdy. And, and we'll get into this more next week in our uh, breakdown. But uh, I just think at the end of the day, this Chiefs defense will do a lot. Look last week when Lamar Jackson was scrambling. And listen, Lamar Jackson, uh, I want to get into him later on as well. He did. He does a good job of getting out of the pocket whenever he is in trouble and is facing pressure. But whenever he extended the play, he was looking for pass catchers, and everybody was covered, even though the play was extended for a long time. I mean, generally speaking, whenever the longer an, a play develops, the more likely it is for a pass catcher or a wide receiver, a, a tight end, for them to be able to break free, create separation from a defensive back, and get open. None of the Ravens' pass catchers could do that at times against this Chiefs secondary. This Chiefs defense... They do a very good job of defending pass catchers. They've been doing it all year long against some of the best. And again, look at who the uh, Ravens have on their team. They have Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews came back, Isaiah Likely was playing very well in his place, and the Chiefs were not letting any of them go off. They were not letting any of them get open. I mean, forget about Lamar Jackson and his inability to throw, but... Those guys could not get open for Lamar to even attempt a throw at their direction wide open. The only good throw Lamar Jackson had, oh, well, two throws. One was that pass to Zay Flowers. That was pretty damn cool. As much as I hate to admit it, yeah, the Chiefs defense just completely collapsed on that play, but that's what you're supposed to do as a quarterback. That's how you get the ball to the end zone, and that's exactly what Lamar did. It was that and the pass to himself. That's all Lamar had in that football game. And I'll get to Lamar shortly because we do need to have a conversation about Lamar Jackson. Um, we'll get into that shortly. Uh, I do want to touch on this whole thing about uh, Travis Kelsey and Justin Tucker. I'm sure you all have heard by now. I posted the um, the uh, transcript of that where Travis Kelsey called <laughs> he called Justin Tucker a fucking dick multiple times. Multiple, even on Pat McAfee's show, he continued to use those words. Um, and when I heard it on the podcast this morning, that was one of those things where I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Did I hear this right? Let me click the uh, 15 second rewind button 
Because I don't know if I heard that correctly. Did he really say this about another player? Because listen, players sometimes clash and butt heads, whatever, but they tend to like not, you know, bring it off the field. Kelsey has a podcast and we all know Kelsey's unfiltered. He does not hold back one minute. Yeah, everyone's talking about the whole um, Tucker thing. Um, listen, let me just give you my perspective on this, okay? Because um, I, as someone who has attended games as a member of the media, meaning that you do get to games traditionally early than fans do, and there are some fans who arrive early so they can get a front row view of warmups and potentially get a glove, a high five, or an autograph. So very few fans have seen this. I remember when I was covering the Chiefs in the late 2000s, um, I remember Tony Gonzalez would always be one of the first players on the field. I think Patrick Mahomes has always been tabbed as one of the first guys who shows up on the field uh, for, a, for a Chiefs game, uh, for pregame warmups. So for those who don't know, here's how pregame warmups work. Uh, punters, kickers, and long snappers get there very early and they practice field goals and punting on both sides because they need to get, um, get a good feel of, uh, of how things are going with the wind. Um, now in an indoor stadium, it's not as big of a deal, but they still want to kick in both directions just to get a good idea of, of everything. Um, just so they can, uh, have a good sense of, uh, the look, everything. Uh, so punters, kickers, and long snappers are, are usually the first ones on the field. Um, then there are, you know, some quarterbacks, a couple of receivers. They get there early as well, and they're not in pads. They're, they have gloves, shorts, um, whatever. I mean, they're out there uh, warming up, throwing passes, catching passes, whatever it may be. Then at some point, all of these players go to the locker room. They put on the, uh, the pads, the cleats, all of that stuff. The, the helmet, and then they all come out as a group. The quarterbacks come out as a group, the tight ends, the defensive linemen, offensive linemen, and so on. Um, the Chiefs, they were doing their pregame warmups on their, essentially at, uh, lining up at their own one-yard line or their own end zone. And while they're doing this, Justin Tucker's equipment is right there. And there's video of this, not just the one James Palmer put out, Um there's a TikTok video of Mahomes walking up to Justin Tucker and, you know, probably said something to the effect of, hey, man, would you mind moving your um, your stuff there? Because uh, we're trying to practice. We're trying to warm up there. Now, Justin Tucker gets up and moves his helmet, but only like two yards, which is, you know, I'm just going to say it. it's a bitch move. It really is. And Travis Kelsey mentioned, OK, they probably were trying to play mind games and shit. So, you know, they they ask him again. And at that point, Travis Kelsey just didn't have any of it. He started just throwing his shit uh, pretty much behind the end zone. And rightfully so. I think a lot of players would have done the same exact thing as Kelsey. I think Kelsey is one of those players that just doesn't give a shit what someone might think. So he just grabbed it and threw it. Let me tell you guys a, a quick story. And I'm not going to say the person's name. But when I was covering KU football, um, so for those who don't know, it, when you go to a media press box, you have assigned seating. They tell you where to sit. Um, there's always a chart when you enter the room. It shows who sits where. And I found out where I was supposed to sit. So I go there. And there was a reporter um, from the Kansas City Star. I, I won't uh, go further into details as to who it was. But he was from the Kansas City Star. I'm like, hey, man, um, your laptop charger is just right on my desk here. Would you mind moving it? And it's like, yeah, hold on. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to sit down. Because here's my thing. I don't want anyone touching my stuff, my phone, my backpack, my whatever. I don't want anyone touching any of my stuff. 
and I will not touch anyone else's stuff. I, I, I just think that's, you know, a rule of respect there. So this person from the Kansas City Star refuses to move his laptop charger, and he's just, you know, on his laptop pretending like he's really doing something important when it doesn't take that long to move your laptop charger. Like, dude, move your fucking charger so I can sit. And he doesn't do that. He gets up. I don't know where he's going, to the restroom or to get, to get a drink, whatever. I just grab his laptop charger and I just put it on the ground. Like, I mean, you might as well have just, like, given me the middle finger and said, fuck you and spit on me. Like, that's pretty fucking rude to not, I mean, you see I'm trying to sit down and I'm trying to show respect by not touching your own property. I just think that's what you do as a human being. Um, but anyway, um, Justin Tucker, uh, he's not moving his tee, his footballs, his helmets. Yeah, um, you deserve to have all of your crap thrown. Uh, to the side like that. You want to play game? By the way, why is Justin Tucker warming up on the Chiefs' side? Because the non-written rule for pregame warm-ups, um, the, the, one team is on one side, the other team is on the other side. doesn't matter who's home or away. That shit does not matter. And by the way, why is your kicking tee on the one-yard line? I don't know a single kicker who practices field goals from the one yard line. I've never seen a kicker practice from the one before. Um, someone, uh, someone please educate me on that. Cause I have no idea what kicker does that. Um, it's funny by the way, because Justin Tucker, when he was being interviewed about this, um, he goes, he, he's explaining what he did. He's like, yeah, man, I was just there. And you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that's it. And at some point he looks at the media and says, by the way, th th that's all I'm going to say about it. Now, as good reporters generally do, they keep asking about the story. If they didn't get a good enough answer, doesn't have to be the answer they want, but at least a, a, a simple valid explanation. Um, you know, what's funny is I see a lot of people shitting on Kelsey saying, Oh, Kelsey's a bitch for throwing his stuff. Okay. I've yet to see one person give a valid reason why Kelsey was wrong and why Tucker was right. I've yet to see one person do that. The, the players are trying to warm up, man. And by the way, if you guys look at some Chiefs, uh, if you guys look at the Chiefs picture when they won the AFC West um, in the locker room, they took a lot of pictures with the shirts on. There's a picture of Mahomes and Spags together. And behind them, there's a whiteboard of the pregame schedule. I'm telling you guys right now, teams do not have time to fuck around and play games because someone's refusing to move their equipment. I mean, there is a very strict schedule. It's almost like um, an airport. If a flight is expected to take off at 1230, it needs to take off at 1230. You have to go on schedule with these things. And for whatever reason, Tucker, you know, wanted to play games. And by the way, I heard... Um, Jim Miller and Pat Kerwin talk about this and they brought up that, that whole situation. And here's what they said. They said that they actually defended Kelsey on this. They said the chiefs look like a team that's been there before and they're just trying to do their thing. Whereas the Ravens couldn't really be professional about that whole thing. And really it's just one person. It's just uh, Justin Tucker, by the way, Mahomes was on six ten, and was asked about this. And he said there's only been a, a few, three times in his career where he's dealt with that kind of thing. And all of them have been Justin Tucker. Listen, Justin Tucker's a great kicker. No one's taking anything away from him. But if you want to play games like this in pregame, well, 
dude, I mean, at some point you're just, you're just asking for it. And Travis Kelsey was that guy that decided to do something about it. Maybe other kickers or other players, excuse me, are a little too scared to be that guy that throws crap. But I'll tell you what, right now, I guarantee you, Justin Tucker is not going to be doing that shit ever again, because the amount of media coverage this is getting is not a good look on Justin Tucker. It's not. Not one bit. The guy in his media interviews was trying to shut down that conversation. He's like, nope, this is the only thing I'm going to say about it. But the media kept asking about it. So th- this whole thing with, with Tucker, I guarantee you, he won't be doing that shit again. And if he does, the, the, the opposing team, they'll say, hey, Kelsey threw his crap. Let's do the same thing here. No problem. And it's going to become a story again. And the Ravens are going to actually have to do something about it. They're going to have to actually have a conversation with Justin Tucker and say, dude, you're embarrassing us. Stop it. Just stop it. Um, you know, what's funny is um, McAfee uh, during um, uh, his interview with Kelsey Mahomes crashed the interview and they brought up the whole Justin Tucker thing. Kelsey, I guess, told Mahomes at one point during the uh, field goal attempt, he goes, dude, if we miss it, we're all getting a 15-yard penalty to rub it in his face. Man, that would have been 100% worth the 15-yard penalty. 100%. Um, yeah, Corey says we won't find out until it happens next year. Yeah, because uh, he ain't going to no Super Bowl. Uh, maybe I, I don't know. Is Tucker in the Pro Bowl? I would imagine he is. Teresa said before throwing, I immediately said, why is Tucker set up in the middle of the Chiefs warming? That's my thing. That's my thing. Um, yeah, and, and he yeah, he did have a grin. And Kelsey even said he's like winking at him, trying to do that whole thing. Um, yeah, they, again, why are you on their side of the field? Um, I, again, I guess there's no rule about this, but there is an unwritten rule, a professional rule that, you know, everyone has a side to be on. Why would you even want to be on their side? Why is your crap on the one yard line? Who the hell has a kicking tee on the one yard line? I mean, I get it. Maybe he was there warming up and no one else was there. So he just put his stuff there. But once, you know, you see other people are there, do their courteous thing and grab your shit and go somewhere else. He has no one to blame but himself. And he's mad at this media coverage. So, you know, have fun with it. Uh, There is another bit of drama we do need to address here, and that is the Kadarius Tony drama. Uh, I was not sure if this was real or not because Kadarius Tony deactivated his uh, Instagram, but I guess he reacted. Apparently, he does this often where he deactivates and brings it back right away. Um. So as you guys know, Kadarius Tony's had a really terrible year. Uh, started the season bad with the uh, knee injury, had surgery on that. And when he came back for week one, the drops, and it has not looked good since then for Kadarius Tony. It has just continued. Even in that Patriots game where it bounced off his hands, you, you could see Mahomes' frustration on the sidelines. And look, Mahomes um, has done a very good job this season not bashing his own teammates. I'm sure there have been conversations behind closed doors about this, but publicly, Mahomes has not once criticized his teammates. In fact, he's even said the opposite, saying, I I need to do better. And I think that's paying off. That part is paying off. I guarantee you, if Mahomes publicly threw his receivers under the bus, they would not want to play hard for him, and the Chiefs would not be where they are today because of that. So I I had to put that out there. But Kadarius Tony, you could see Mahomes was kind of, um, he was he was obviously uh, livid about the uh, interception against the Patriots. Understandably so. Like, it keeps happening. Um, so, what happened? 
uh, Kadarius Tony since then has been on the injury report with a hip injury. Um, now recently he's also been uh, noted with a, uh, personal situation, meaning that, you know, he had, a uh, um, he and his family, uh, uh, welcomed a, uh, baby girl to the world. So congratulations to them. But Kadarius Tony did do an Instagram live video at some point on Saturday, which was also his birthday and is talking to people live. And the conversation of him missing games due to injury came up. I guess a hater commented and said, why are you always hurt? To which Kadarius Tony then responded. Now, it's a very NSFW video. And um, I, I can't quite understand everything he's saying. But he's essentially saying the Chiefs are lying about him on the injury report. So Andy Reid was asked about this on Monday. And Andy Reid made it very clear that the Chiefs they're very honest about things on the injury report. Now, I don't know if the NFL is going to look into this because um, lying on the injury report can lead to consequences. Uh, but, uh, you know, I saw um, Big Cat from Barstool. You know when a guy named Big Cat from Barstool Sports, when this guy is being the voice of reasons, when he's making sense, it's bad on KT. And by the way, I'm being facetious. I like... Um, the only thing I really like about um, Barstool Sports uh, is that show, um, Big Cat and PFT. Unless important, yeah, he's he's out there, but he's entertaining. Um, and I think he's done a good job with what he's built. And he's done a good job for companies that were struggling during the pandemic. But anyway, I digress. Big Cat said something how the Chiefs, they were being they were playing nice with him. Because of his struggles, they decided to just put that injury tag on him and this was also a way to help him to possibly get a job elsewhere in the NFL. But given that Kadarius Tony continues to get hurt, continues to be a liability for his team and really is, you know, more of a headache than not. I don't know if I ever care to see Kadarius Tony play another game for the chiefs. I was really holding out for him to maybe come back one more year and try to right the wrong. Because if you look at his overall body of work last year, he came in the middle of the season, was playing very well on offense, and then that punt return in the Super Bowl, the longest punt return in NFL Super Bowl history, I mean, you were just excited for KT to have a full offseason with Patrick Mahomes. But unfortunately, um, it's been the complete opposite for KT this year. And now you have him constantly addressing haters on Instagram. It's like, and he even lashed out at Pat McAfee at one point about the drops. Well, I don't think he was wrong, and he's still right to this day. Um, I just don't know at the end of the day if I want Kadarius Toney to play another snap for the Kansas City Chiefs. I just, I, I, is it worth it? The guy has just been a nutcase on Instagram. For whatever reason, he has to address the haters. I find that very interesting. Um... Listen, if you're if you have a following and you feel the need to address haters so much, dude, you got to get a hobby, man. You are clearly letting these people in your head. Clearly. And I've criticized Brittany Mahomes about this. She, for whatever reason, at times has felt the need to address haters. Why? Um. Anyway, uh, I digress here. Uh, not only are, are you doing this off the field, but... Uh, <laughs> Corey said Canadian Football League and Kadarius Tony a perfect match. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I love KT's skill set. He had Tyreek Hill comparisons coming into the draft uh, a couple years ago, but 
He's how how good is your skill set if you're not catching the ball? Not just not catching the ball, it's bouncing off your hands and going into the defender's hands. It's just not worth it. Chris says he's a total bust. He doesn't have the work ethic to be a top wide receiver. He got by on talent in high school and college. You have to actually work in the NFL. Yeah, I know he just had a kid, bud. And to me, it's like, look, I'm not I'm not a parent here. But if I was, I mean, if, if me and my partner are, are getting ready to welcome a baby into the world, I think the last thing I would care to do is go on Instagram live. And by the way, Kadarius Sony has a lot of haters from Giants fans and Chiefs fans. Why are you doing a live video on your birthday slash your daughter's birthday? I, I don't know. Uh, Antoine said he may never play for another NFL team again. Uh, I'll say 50-50 on that. I think there might be one team that gets him. I don't know. Maybe Corey's onto something when he says Canadian Football League. So, uh, But I don't know if I ever care to see Kadarius Tony play again for the Chiefs. I, I just, I don't know. I I, I love his skill set. Same with McCole Hardman. But what good is your skill set if you're a liability? I mean, at least McCole Hardman's not on social media lashing out on people week in and week out. But I don't know. At some point, you got to just ignore the hate, block that out. What did um? What did the wide receivers coach John Embry say? Or I'm sorry, uh, Connor Embry say. John Embry's his father. Um, didn't he say that the, the receivers are good at blocking out the hate and the negativity? I don't think Kadarius Sony is, um, is uh, fitting that description. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I'm trying to look something up here. But while I'm doing that, I, I mentioned uh, Embry. Uh, I have a question for you guys. So I need you guys to answer here, and I will be reading um, uh, answers here because I need to know uh, how you guys are feeling about these kinds of things. Uh, we obviously, me included, criticize the offensive assistants this year. Matt Nagy, Connor Embry, the wide receivers coach. Obviously, Nagy's the uh, offensive coordinator. A lot of us criticize those guys. And what did I say earlier this year? I said, the only way that I think those guys could redeem themselves and come back next year is if the Chiefs make the Super Bowl. This was like right after Monday Night Football against the Eagles. That's when I said this. So my question to you guys, do you guys feel like Matt Nagy and Connor Embry, the offensive coordinator and the wide receivers coach, do you feel like those two redeem themselves? And be honest here. I, I, I want to know from you guys. Um, I will say yes. I will say yes. I criticize those guys heavily. And I said that if the Chiefs don't get to the Super Bowl this year, I think it's going to be because of those two guys. And guess what? They're in the Super Bowl right now. So, and what have I always said? I said, look, if you're going to heavily criticize someone when they fail, you better bring the same energy when things are working. Look, it kind of reminds me of the whole thing with Eric Bieniemy when he was the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs. Whenever things were working, who got the credit? Patrick Mahomes got the credit. Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, um, and whoever else would make plays. But whenever things were failing, who did um, who did people blame? A lot of people chose to blame Eric Bieniemy, And I never understood that. So Eric Bieniemy gets all the hate when things do not work. But when things are working, everyone else gets the credit. I don't know if I agree with that. 
I don't like that inconsistency. So in the interest, interest of fairness, we got to give some flowers to Matt Nagy and Connor Embry. Corey says no. Gabriel says, I think they have. Uh, Luke says they are going to be redeemed when I went to the Super Bowl. Went to the, I think you meant they went to the Super Bowl. Paula says, so would like to see EB back. Blake says, no, they're in the Super Bowl because of Patrick Mahomes. Because Patrick Mahomes is an absolute beast when it comes to playoff football. Gabriel adds and says they are also part of how the team made it to the Super Bowl. It's not just the players. Corey explains his answer and says, no. I think that they got lucky that Rice stepped it up in such a big way. It kind of drowned out the negative drops and bad calls. Rochelle says, yes, give them a pass. The regular season, everybody was looking at them cross-eyed. But since the win over the Bills and Ravens, I think people are giving them a pass. And MVS and CEH. Uh, oh, Lauren's responding to the um, to the KT thing. Says, we got Antonio Brown, another Antonio Brown brewing. Oh, oh gosh, I don't know. I hope not. Corey was saying earlier uh, that he had high expectations for KT. I think we all did, Corey. I think we all did because wasn't he expected to be the number one wide receiver, whether Juju Smith Schuster resigned or not? I think that was the case. He was tabbed as a number one wide receiver in the offseason. At least that, that's what the report was. So that's um that's just unfortunate. It just didn't work out at the end of the uh, at the end of the day. Okay, we're getting mixed answers here with um with uh B uh not B enemy, uh Nagy and Embry. Uh, Ben says they deserve to come back for sure. They coach their asses off and can't help that our wide receivers, uh, struggled a bit. Okay. Ben, I see Ben. I, I understand what you're saying here because a lot of people have said what Ben has been saying that, um, that, uh, the, the coaches are not dropping passes. The players are okay, but it's not just one receiver. It is every single receiver this year that has been guilty of drops and fumbles. Even Rashi Rice. Um, so why is it so many different guys? Uh, now, again, I said earlier, I don't think the offense has improved completely. They still have room to grow, but they have flipped a switch. And I think you got to give credit to, um, to Nagy and Embry. Listen, I will say, I thought the play calling was very bad in the second half. And I was texting Zach. I said, look, um, what the hell? Are, what's with all these passes behind the line of scrimmage? And he, and he texted me back. He goes, that's the Nagy special. Okay, but what about when things were working early on? Was Nagy not the guy getting credit, credit for that? What about that pass to MVS? Who called that play? Was it Nagy? Or are we going to credit Reed for that one? This is what, what I struggle with with Andy Reed's offense, because I think a lot of people aren't quite sure who is calling the plays. People kind of act like someone different is calling it at different times. So I don't know, um, but I do. Listen, I agree, by the way, because Sean's saying, what about the defense get, uh, getting us here? Yeah, the defense played a massive role in the second half against the Ravens. But I think ultimately you got to you got to spread the love. You got to spread the love. Um, I think those guys deserve some of the credit for the way the Chiefs have um, have stepped up offensively. Uh, in the last few weeks, I do want to go over the injury report. Now, um, the chiefs, they did not practice on Tuesday and Wednesday, but they still had to put out an injury report, which I think is interesting, especially when there's no game this week. <laughs> um, uh, but 
they did put a projected, uh, like an estimated injury report. So there are four players who they think would not have practiced. Joe Tooney, obvious. Charles Aminahu, obvious. Isaiah Pacheco with a toe and an ankle. Uh, and Chris Jones with a quad injury. And that's probably more for cautious reasons than the actual injury themselves. Um, there are a lot of other guys with injuries on here uh, that are expected to, were expected to either be limited or full. So Sky Moore, Willie Gay, Legeria Sneed, all uh, listed as limited. Uh, Prince Tegan Wanago, Blaine Gabbert, Richie James, Rashi Rice, Drew Tranquil, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Kadarius Tony were all labeled as full participants. Um, again, this is all projected because they didn't actually practice. Now, interestingly, interestingly enough, for Kadarius Tony's injury, it says not injury-related, and in parentheses, it says personal. If that guy's a full participant, why is that even on the injury report? I, I don't know. Because they don't, they took away the ankle injury. Maybe that's an error. I don't know, but um, that's just what the injury report looks like for today. So, just had to felt the obligation to put that out there because um, that is a a thing. Uh, Obviously, we'll know more in tomorrow's injury report. That will be more important um, for the Chiefs uh, moving forward. Okay, a couple things I want to talk about before I sign off here. I want to talk about Lamar Jackson for a moment. All the Chiefs talk I'm done with for today. Um, I do have a couple of NFL things I want to get into. I want to talk about the uh, the Lions and the Ravens, the two teams uh, that lost. But before that, let's talk about Lamar Jackson. Because I think Lamar Jackson is a very interesting case study in the NFL. Because what happened on Sunday against the Chiefs defense? Lamar Jackson could not do anything. Uh, as good as this team is running the football, they did get stopped at times, and it forced Lamar Jackson to pass on second and long and third and long. And what was the outcome? Lamar Jackson failed. Now, yeah, he had more passing yards than Patrick Mahomes. That's because in the second half, the, especially in the fourth quarter, the Chiefs played a lot of prevent defense, letting Lamar Jackson get whatever pass he wanted in the middle to let time go. That's what the Chiefs that the Chiefs were playing against the clock, not the Ravens in those last few minutes. So when Lamar Jackson needed to step up and make plays, he couldn't do so. Now, I'm going to play um, I'm going to play a little uh, uh, game with you guys. Let's do this uh, mental exercise here. Uh, let's say you're down by two possession. If you're down by one possession, I think Lamar Jackson can win you a game there. He can make some things happen with his feet. To at least tie or win. Now, let's say you're down by two possessions with five minutes to go. Obviously, you have to abandon the run game. That does not exist in the playbook. You have to go pass heavy if you want to come back and win with your season on the line. Down by two scores. So what do you do? You got to go pass heavy. I just want to know, and you guys can play along with me. I'm just going to say off the top of my head, which quarterbacks would I want down by two possessions with five minutes to go. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes. Let me just start AFC quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow went healthy. Aaron Rodgers went healthy. I think CJ Stratos proved himself. Uh, Tua, especially with those um, those uh, receivers he has around him. Uh, I would take Trevor Lawrence. I, I definitely would want him in that situation. Uh, then we're starting to kind of get into the nitty gritty here. Justin Herbert. Sure. Um, Russell Wilson, maybe I've mentioned those guys before I mentioned Lamar Jackson. Now let's switch over to the NFC, which quarterbacks would I want down by 
multiple possessions with five minutes to go with the season on the line. Desperation mode. You got to get your passing game going. No, abandon the run game. Who do you want passing from the NFC QBs? Um, let's see. I like Jalen Hurts. Uh, Baker Mayfield, I'll take. Not as many good quarterbacks on the NFC side. Um, boy. From the NFC side. Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield. Who else? Um... I'll take Geno Smith. I mean, Geno Smith and Drew Locke both had game-winning drives this year, going past heavy in the span of six days. Uh, but I just don't know if I would pick Lamar Jackson before I pick any of those guys. Here's what I'm trying to get at here. Lamar Jackson is on his way. Okay, Brock Purdy. Yeah, Dak. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Dak. I uh, no good. Uh, I appreciate the assist in the chat there. No, I forgot about Dak. Um, the thing that I'm saying about Lamar, you could say about Dak uh, to an extent. But here's my thing with Lamar, though. This guy, Matthew Stafford. Yeah, oh, 100% Matthew Stafford. Oh, um, Kirk Cousins, yeah, when healthy. Um, Robert, um, who's um, uh, Jared Goff? Jared Goff. Cannot forget Jared Goff. Anyway, I think I, I've made my point clear. Whenever a football game is on the line, there are a lot of other quarterbacks that I would rather have than Lamar Jackson. Yet... Lamar Jackson in about nine days is going to win his second MVP award officially. I just don't know at the end of the day, what is the end game with the Baltimore Ravens? Because I think Lamar Jackson is a great regular season quarterback. Yeah, he does a lot of running, but he does some, uh, he makes some things happen with, uh, with his arm. Uh, but ultimately, what is the um, what is the end game? I, I apologize. I'm trying to I'm trying to see if this is a spam or if this is a legit comment. No, it's a spam. Um, what are wh what's the end game with Lamar Jackson? How far can you do you think that guy can go? Because I just gave you the, the list of quarterbacks that I would rather have than Lamar Jackson with the game on the line, see potentially season on the line, and you got to go pass heavy. I don't know if I trust Lamar Jackson. I think Sunday was big proof of that against a very good Chiefs defense. Lamar struggled immensely throwing the football. Again, the only reason why his passing yards were better than Patrick Mahomes is because the Chiefs defense, they were in prevent mode those last few minutes, letting the Ravens do whatever they wanted offensively in the middle of the field for short yard short yardage gained and some yak to go with that. My whole thing with Lamar Jackson is this. This guy is a two-time MVP, a soon-to-be two-time MVP, but if we did like a fantasy football draft and everyone had to pick a quarterback, like if you had 32 different people and they all had to start with a quarterback, I don't know if Lamar Jackson would go very high. Now, in terms of fantasy football, uh, yeah, sure, Lamar Jackson probably gets you a lot of points there, but I'm talking like football sense only. How many people really want Lamar Jackson as their quarterback? Because even though this guy is about to become a two-time MVP and the only other active quarterback that's won the MVP twice is Patrick Mahomes. Yet at the end of the day, I think there are other players, quarterbacks who you'd rather have than Lamar Jackson. I think that's the issue with Lamar. Now, let me say this. I don't think Lamar Jackson was the sole reason for that defeat. The Ravens committed five 
personal fouls, and taunting penalties together. That's not going to win you a game. For as much as people want to shit on Kelsey, by the way, for, for what he did with Justin Tucker's equipment, what about the Ravens on the field committing four personal foul penalties and a taunting penalty? I mean, come on. F- five of those together, not good at all. So my whole thing is this. Because I do think the Ravens have good talent on offense, but I think there is a ceiling with Lamar Jackson as your quarterback. Let me say this. I was one of those people that thought Lamar Jackson had a uh, had a time limit on his career, and he's proven me wrong in that. He really has, and I think he's done a great job with everything he's done up to this point. But let me ask you this. What Lamar Jackson plays from the playoffs can you look at and say, wow, that Lamar Jackson play in the postseason, yeah, that was huge. I mean, he's made a couple plays here and there, but the guy has a 2-4 and four playoff record. When the Ravens beat the Texans, he brought that up in the uh, postgame press conference and said, hey, look, I heard all the people talking about talking about um, my playoff record because he was 1-3 in the playoffs, coming 1-3 or 1-4 coming into this postseason. Um. Again, this Ravens team almost won a playoff game with Tyler Huntley. And if Tyler Huntley does not fumble out the one against the Bengals defense, well, maybe you win that football game because the Bengals didn't score the rest of the game. Now, they didn't have to, um, but maybe, you know, things change if Tyler Huntley does not fumble and actually scores there. My point is, I think the Ravens can move on without Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Lamar Jackson's a two-time MVP But this is not a two-time MVP that's going to win you a Super Bowl. He's just not. He's just not. Unless you start playing way better in the passing game, the Ravens are not going anywhere. They might get the number one seed again. They got the number one seed twice with Lamar Jackson. I think their record with Lamar... um, Getting the one seed is one and two. That is not good. Could you imagine if Mahomes started his career one and two if both years they had the number one seed? And by the way, Rochelle says I would not move on from him just yet. Well, you can't because they just gave him a massive contract. Listen, I think teams are afraid to lose quarterbacks. I mean, the Giants, they did, they just paid um, Daniel Jones a shit ton of money. Like, everyone's just throwing money at these quarterbacks for no reason. I don't get it. Uh, listen, I've even said before, I think even Patrick Mahomes is overpaid because for as much as, even though the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, they do have a lot of things to address, and Patrick Mahomes does have a big cap hit. Now, at least with Patrick Mahomes, you have two MVPs and two Super Bowl wins and two Super Bowl MVPs to go with that. But with Lamar Jackson... This guy is the only other two-time Super or uh, not Super Bowl, uh, regular season MVP at the quarterback position. But there's a ceiling with him. There just is. Even though this guy's a two-time MVP, a lot of people would take Joe Burrow as the better quarterback in the AFC North. And listen, I've criticized Burrow for not being healthy, and I think he's got an offensive, a really bad offensive line to go with, but you would still rather have that Bengals offense with Joe Burrow, even Jake Browning, before Lamar Jackson. 
So I'm not sure ultimately how far this Ravens team can go with Lamar Jackson. I said earlier in the podcast, I think the Ravens have the best one-dimensional offense in the NFL. They do. They have the best one-dimensional offense in the NFL. A one-dimensional offense is not going to take you far in this league, folks. It's just not. Unless you are really hitting big on every single run. Now, some might say, aren't the Chiefs a a one-dimensional? Haven't they been a one-dimensional offense with heavy passing? Yeah, but they've also had running backs make plays as well. Like Damian Williams has done some big things. Isaiah Pacheco has done some big things. Um, It's not just the passing game with Mahomes. They've done some things on the ground as well. So uh, I just had to put that out there because Lamar Jackson's such a weird but interesting case study where he's a two-time MVP, but there are still a lot of other quarterbacks you would rather have before Lamar Jackson. Billy says Joe Flacco before Lamar. Yeah, I suppose. Um, that's Ravens fans about that one. Anyway, uh, last thing I uh, last two things I want to get out here. Um, I heard a radio uh, on ESPN radio. Very interesting debate here. Which uh, losing team from Championship Sunday can come back stronger, the Lions or the Ravens? Now I just kind of went over the Ravens in detail here, and I do think they have a ceiling with Lamar Jackson. With Jared Goff, man, and listen, the Chiefs, they've been there where they blew big leads in the in the playoffs. To the Colts, who could forget that one? Uh, to the Titans, to the Bengals. Uh, the Chiefs have been there where they have blown big leads in the playoffs. And it really, really sucks. Because when you have a big lead, you tend to think... Um, yeah, we can win it all. We look great in the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, a complete 180 happens. But I do think the Lions are better equipped. The Lions have a lot of young guys on their football team. They have a lot of young guys on that team. Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, Jameer Gibbs, uh, uh, Sam Laporta. I, I mean, they've got a lot of young talent on that team. And I think the Lions are going to be here for a long time. I think Sam Laporta, whenever Travis Kelsey retires, I think he's going to be the best tight end in the NFL in his era. So I think the Lions will come back stronger from this. Um, The Ravens, you know, I think their loss was heartbreaking in a different way because they hurt themselves so much. The the, uh, personal foul penalties... Uh, the taunting penalty, and then the player who committed the taunting penalty, Zay Flowers, which was a rookie mistake, but the same player dives into the end zone and loses the football. That is not a rookie mistake. I don't care if you are a 15-year vet or a rookie. You cannot fumble when you do that. You just can't. Now, if he was a veteran, do you think he maybe does a better job of that? I don't know. Because Legereus need. Uh, deserves a lot of credit for punching that football out and making up for getting torched by Zay Flowers. But I just think the Lions are the better equipped football team moving forward. Um, John Harbaugh, I think, is a good coach, but I think Dan Campbell is a better coach. I just think Dan Campbell is a little too aggressive at times. I love the um, I, I love the Lions' defense. 
Aiden Hutchinson, a phenomenal, phenomenal pass rusher. Um, I don't know if CJ Gardner Johnson is going to be coming back. I know he's getting trolled because he was taunting uh, 49ers fans. This is also the same guy that was crying before the season about how wet the Super Bowl, uh, the, the, the field was because he was with the Eagles at the time. So uh, I don't know. Uh, but but I just think in general, the um, yeah, see, a lot of you guys are talking about Dan Campbell as well. Yeah, Bud, Teresa, I see you guys. Um, I, I think that is going to play a big part. Like, Dan Campbell on the Lions and Lamar Jackson as your QB for the Ravens, I think, plays a big part. I think the Lions come back stronger in the future. I think teams like the Lions, who have a lot of young players, the Texans, who have a lot of young players and drafted very well this year, uh, the Packers, who essentially had a, a rookie quarterback this year, a redshirt rookie quarterback in Jordan Love, and I think with experience, he'll play better. Um, th- those are teams that are going to be around for a long time. In the, they're gonna, you're gonna see them a lot in the playoffs in the future, one hundred percent. Okay, last thing I want to get out here, um, because this is getting a lot of attention. Travis Kelsey was asked about this and addressed this uh, on the Pat McAfee show. Um, this whole thing with Taylor Swift is really getting out of hand. People genuinely believe that the NFL scripted this and that they're rigging this because of Taylor Swift. By the way. Oh, my God. I can't believe what I'm about to say. If you guys told me 15 years ago, okay, 15 years ago, if you told me that the Kansas City Chiefs would be in the middle of a conspiracy theory involving the Super Bowl, Taylor Swift, Joe Biden, and Donald Trump, again, 15 years ago, if you would have told me this, I would have said, what the hell are you smoking? Because there is this big belief out there that Taylor Swift's preferred team needs to win so she can make a big political endorsement. As if a mega celebrity needs to do that by way of a Chiefs Super Bowl win. Um, I don't know. By the way, I know not everyone cares about this Taylor Swift thing. Fine. But if you're going to be complaining so much that she's on TV, uh, the New York Times actually did a study on this, which I I find it fun. Listen, this is what gets you content and views and clicks. They actually measured how how many seconds she's on TV for. She's on TV for an average of 25 seconds. And the Dolphins game on Peacock, she was on for a minute, more than a minute, because that game was a blowout. There was nothing to talk about in the second half. So, yeah, they so, they show Taylor Swift dancing along the swag surf. Um, now why wouldn't you? Like, what else was there to show at that time? But this whole idea that this whole thing with Taylor Swift and rigged and all these other things. It's like, Oh my God, who has time to even think about these theories here? Like seriously, who has this much time on their hands? I wish I had this much time on my hands. And if I did, I would not be thinking of things like this. I'd be doing things. I'd, I'd really love to do. Um, Cause Lord knows I'm busy, but I don't know, man. I mean, listen, it's a it's a positive story at the end of the day. It's like, how many people have died because Taylor Swift was shown on a broadcast? Is it a little annoying if you're not a Chiefs fan? Yeah, I guess it could be. But at the end of the day, who's suffering from this? 
she has brought plenty of eyes and attention to the sport. And if you love the NFL, why does that matter to you? Why does it matter that Swifties are now ticket sales have gone up? Travis Kelsey's jersey sales have gone up. The NFL. Yeah, I'm sure they're thrilled. Do I believe the NFL prefers this because they know it's going to have a lot more eyes on the Super Bowl because of the Swifties? Yeah, sure. But no one's rigging games. By the way, Chiefs fans do this too. I got to criticize you guys as well because a lot of you are watching our Chiefs fans. Chiefs fans think it's rigged whenever things don't go their way. When Patrick Mahomes blew that big lead against the Bengals in the AFC title game, everyone thought it was rigged. Everyone thought Mahomes got paid to throw the game. I'm like, what? Okay, not everyone, but a lot of people. A lot of people thought that. Um, Okay, Sean says people wish Taylor Swift would root for their team. This is 100% a fact because people are literally creating AI images and they're creating artwork, very impressive artwork, by the way, of her wearing a Bills jersey or a Ravens jersey. Like, dude, come on. There's a um, there's a TikToker who stood in front of a Walmart and has a Taylor Swift record um, and is shattering it in front of the store. Like, dude, you're even using Taylor Swift for your own personal gain. I'm, listen, I'm not knocking on it. Do what you got to do to get views and money. But don't act like, you know, you don't want Taylor Swift involved there. I mean, there was a Bills fan who created a funny uh, video um, about how uh, the the uh, Bills fans are going to distract the Swifties. And I, I thought it was actually a clever video. I really did. Um, a lot of you should probably be thanking Taylor Swift. I know the New York Jets are because there are a lot of people that paid a ticket because they just wanted to see a glimpse of her in hopes that she would wave to them in their TikTok video. And she did wave to some people, which is interesting enough. Um. Um, yeah, Mark's responding to Teresa saying she hasn't done anything. Political. I don't think she No, She hasn't. I think the point is there are people that are mixing politics into this because people think that Taylor Swift's preferred team needs to win so she can endorse Biden. And by the way, there's evidently like a big, massive war for this. And I'm not going to get into that because that's not what this podcast is about. But I think it's funny to bring up like I never thought 15 years ago, my favorite football team would be in the center of a conspiracy theory involving all of this. <laughs> Can you believe that? People really think the Chiefs are in the middle of this conspiracy theory for Taylor Swift and a political, uh, a presidential election coming up. <sighs> uh, what what year was it? Fifteen years ago. Uh, it was 2009. Okay, that was Todd Haley's first year as the Chiefs head coach. If you told me during Todd Haley's first year and Matt Castle's first year with the Chiefs that Taylor Swift would be a big part of a conspiracy theory with the Chiefs in a Super Bowl in a presidential election, I would have said you're out of your mind. I mean, <laughs> Corey says you could you can't write a better script. Can't you can't write a better script. Uh, Jacob says if she did that, I think she would lose a lot of Swifties. Um, Bud said if I believe that, I would quit right now watching football. I am a 50-plus year fan. Um, guys, we are in the middle. Let me just say something. I brought this up before, but I think we need to bring this up again. We are in the middle of this crazy era of Chiefs football where the Chiefs are playing football 
uh, in a stretch better than we've ever seen before in NFL history. Oh, by the way, you know, we have the loudest stadium in the NFL. We have the loudest fans. And then we have two super fans who got into a fight. We have a super fan that was robbing banks so he could fund premium seats and place massive bets online on the Chiefs. Um, we have Swifties now who are part of Chiefs Kingdom. And now the Chiefs are in this conspiracy theory allegation because of a presidential election. Like, man, what has happened to this football team? What the hell's going on? I can't sit here with a straight face and have this conversation because it makes zero sense. All of this. All of this. Uh, listen. Oh, and by the way, like, you know, we finally got the quarterback we've begged for, but his family for positive and negative reasons have made headlines worldwide. Um, do I vapor smoke? No. Uh, anyway, um, I just wanted to end on that note. Like how crazy is it that we're here with all of these narratives about the chiefs off the field in their golden era of chiefs football? Um, could you imagine if Taylor Swift was dating Josh Allen or Joe Burrow? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You tell me what would have happened. I suppose uh, that's for an alternate universe. Uh, maybe the Avengers can help set that up. All right, guys. We're getting way off the rails here. I got to get out of here. My name is Farzi Vasugian. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. couple of announcements before I get out of here. Friday morning. 10 a.m. Central. Let me just double check on that. Is it 10 a.m. Central time? I think it is 10 a.m. Central time. We have a former player who will be joining me. And folks, this is actually a former player. Some of you have actually asked for. Yeah. Um, no, I apologize. 9 a.m. Central time. So 9 a.m. Central time. We have a former player joining us on the podcast. And it's a former player. Some of you guys have been asking for. So I'm looking forward to that. We will do our red Friday live chat at some point on Friday. Not exactly sure when. So we'll be doing that. Plus on Saturday night, I don't have the exact time yet, but I'll get back to you guys. When I do, I will be on CBS sports radio. I will be on the Jody McDonald show on CBS Sports Radio to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs going to the Super Bowl. So a lot of exciting stuff. We also have guests book for next week as well. I'm very excited. I hope you guys continue to join the ride with me. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. For those of you on Facebook and YouTube watching live, thank you so much. Please make sure you follow and subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, spread the page. Share the links with your friends. All right, my name is Farzim Vizugi and I am out. Talk to you all later. Peace out.